Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey gang, happy weekend. Lots to cover today. I don't know about you, but I am so tired of the politics and the fact that like all of my podcasts right now are about politics, but this is just the way things are. Because everything is about the politics in our country right now. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show. We broadcast live on KVXL 11.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. You can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, which is probably how you're listening right now if you're not listening on the radio. So thanks for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends. All the things help us grow our audience. But, okay, so here's the thing. I was like, we are going to have a show and not talk about politics. And I was prepared to do that. And then I realized, no, no, we can't have a show that doesn't have any politics because the debate was just, we need, we need to go over some things with the debate because there was some real, real stuff that happened there. We also need to talk about Mayor Pete. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to start out the program today by talking about things not related to the debate to the New New Hampshire primary that was weeks ago, the South Carolina primary and so on and then we will transition back into it because I want to make sure that you get some other news because I think everything is kind of being swept under the rug except for the coronavirus which is also being swept under the rug the president brings in the CDC calls a special news conference about this thing and NBC CBS, ABC, none of the major networks carried his talk about the coronavirus like democrats are going crazy calling him out about this and basically saying that obama cured the world of ebola i have no idea where that came from and then the president's like okay you want us to talk about coronavirus we'll set up a task force and deal with coronavirus so he sets a press conference earlier this week i believe it was on wednesday uh, afternoon our time sets a press conference brings in the cdc they talk all about this thing the major networks don't even Give him a minute of coverage live on that speech. I feel like if you really think it's a world pandemic and that this is a really big deal and you're criticizing him constantly having guests on to criticize the president's lack of response to the coronavirus, that maybe when he has the press conference to talk about what he's doing about it, you could air that. But no, no, we'll just pretend that never even happened. Unbelievable. And honestly, what they talked about, and even what the president talked about, it's really kind of a comical thing. Obviously, the coronavirus is is a horrible thing, but the press conference itself, when the president was talking about it, it just it made me chuckle because he's just being real about this. And he's like, "Look, wash your hands, guys," and that's literally what the CDC is saying: wash your hands with running water and soap. Make sure your kids wash their hands, particularly uh, when you're using a restroom or before you're eating. When you blow your nose, you cough, you sneeze, or you're around someone doing these things. You need to wash your hands and wash them well. 
If you can't wash your hands, at least have hand sanitizer handy. Do this often. And this is literally one of the most effective ways to keep yourself from getting the coronavirus. It's essentially like a version of the flu. So it is going to spread. Some people are going to die. Many people already have. But if you are health conscious and washing your hands and you're not, you know, visiting China, you probably, one, are not going to die from this thing. And you probably, two, aren't even going to catch it. And three, if you do, you may not even know that you have it. So, yes, it is a global thing. It is a global pandemic. But the fact of the matter is it's not that different than the regular flu and you just need to be... I mean, I, I realize that it is different and it is more serious than the regular flu. I know that. I've looked at the numbers. I've seen the graphs. I've seen the charts. I know it's not the same thing. Just for the purposes of making this simplified for you to understand and not panic, this, this thing is not... If you don't have a will, you should have a will regardless. But I'm not going to say that because of the coronavirus you should go and make a will. Right, that's what I'm trying to communicate here. My favorite thing that the CDC has done about this, though, is they issued a warning to guys about facial hair because they were talking about the masks. You know, everybody's been wearing the masks now for the coronavirus, and some reports are saying that the FBI has been told told all of their operatives to get masks. But remember, they're going places and doing things that you probably don't uh, do. But anyway, so they've. T- <laughs> They have a graph. There's a chart for guys out there that demonstrates which facial hair will be acceptable if you're going to wear a mask. And which facial hair, if you have a goatee, if you have any kind of beard, wearing a mask will do literally no good for you, is what the CDC is saying. So basically, unless you shave your face, if you're a guy, unless you shave your face, don't even bother with a mask because you won't have a seal because of your facial hair. This thing cracked me up. I, I, I get that it's a real thing, but it just, it made me laugh. Like, there's literally a chart with a man with all these different versions of mustache, goatee, beard, all, all the different possible things. There's even one... <laughs> I believe there was a beard on there called the Zero, the Zorro, the Zorro uh, facial hair look. I was cracking up at some of the names they came up with for this thing and just the fact that they even made it made me laugh. But there you go, guys. If you're worried about the coronavirus and you're going to wear a mask, you got to shave first. Okay. All right. The um. Sorry, I was trying to decide what I wanted to talk about next before going into some things related to politics and then getting into the debate because we need to talk about a bill the Democrats voted on, but I think that is better talked about when we get to get to the debate and what's happening uh, with the South Carolina election. Um, a Christian worker for the Postal Service is suing USPS for religious discrimination, according to faithwire.com. There's a guy in Pennsylvania who was forced to quit over a requirement to work on Sundays. Now, since UPS, or excuse me, USPS, the Postal Service, has partnered with Amazon to make deliveries, they have changed their workers' hours to where they are now required to work on Sundays. Because Amazon, I'm sure you've seen this randomly, you'll get packages on Sundays now, and you're like, what? What? It's because of Amazon is changing the way the world works. This guy filed his lawsuit several weeks ago, arguing that he was let go from his position after refusing to work on Sundays for religious reasons. 
He explained in his filing that he made himself available for work on holidays and even and even for evening hours as well in order to accommodate his religious convictions. He said, look, I can't work on Sundays, but I'm willing to work holidays. I'll work nights. I'll work any other time, just not Sundays. And that had always worked out until the partnership with Amazon. Once the USPS partnered with Amazon, the agency implemented a no-exceptions policy for taking off work on Sundays. This guy worked for the post office for seven years, and his discipline, he was, says he was needlessly disciplined and then ended up resigning because he was being forced to work on Sundays. His lawsuit is seeking reinstatement of his position with religious accommodation and back pay for the time since he was forced to resign from his job. Now, remember, the USPS is a federal agency, but it operates independently and does not draw on taxpayer dollars to fund its services. But the guy is requesting that the USPS create policies to provide equal employment opportunities for applicants and workers who observe the Sabbath on Sundays. This case could go pretty far. The Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals had rejected a similar case for a Jewish postal worker that did not want to work on Saturdays several years ago. I'm not sh- I honestly don't remember whatever happened with that one, but I could see this one going quite a long way. Another bill that is facing the Supreme Court involves the city of Philadelphia. So in the city of Philadelphia, Catholic Social Services has worked for decades with the city to place foster children with families that work with Catholic Social Services. It's a huge organization, a huge uh, opportunity for kids in the foster system. The city, however, has stopped. Last year, or I'm sorry, no, wow, it's 2020. Two years ago now, the city stopped allowing foster children to be placed in homes of any family that worked with Catholic Social Services because... The city is saying that the organization must denounce their religious beliefs, endorse same-sex marriages, and place be willing to place children in same-sex homes. Essentially what the city is saying is that the requirements that Catholic Social Services has for the families that apply through them would have to be greatly modified in order for the city to actually place any foster children with them. What is troubling about this, well, actually every aspect of this is troubling, but the city of Philadelphia can utilize any other organization to place children in same-sex partnership homes if that is what they feel must happen. Essentially what the city of Philadelphia is saying is that Catholic Social Services is not able to have any sort of religious litmus test requirements for their families that are approved to receive foster children through their organization. Remarkably, though, they can have any other number of litmus tests. And now... (laughs) The city of Philadelphia is demanding their own litmus test. Now, obviously, there's going to be 
requirements that the city is going to require of any organization. There's going to be basic requirements for any uh, organization and what they must require of their foster families for, for safety of the children involved. But when it comes to this issue of, well, no, you may be a religious organization, but that does not mean that you can put your faith to work in what families you would be willing to place your uh, your or excuse me, the, the children in the city of Philadelphia's uh, foster system with. See, faith-based organizations are serving in communities, they're operating in public squares, and religion has become, particularly Christianity, has been seen now for a while in our country as a threat when it is anything but. So this case is now at the Supreme Court. This is the next big religious freedom case that you will hear about that you probably haven't heard about because, like I said before, everything is about the politics right now. Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, is trying to shut down a 100-year-old Catholic ministry over the ministry's religious beliefs about marriage. That is the bottom line. And again, Catholic Social Services in Philadelphia has not stopped one single LGBT couple from fostering. There are many agencies in Philadelphia. And no one involved in the case knew of a single instance when an LGBT couple even asked to foster or for a foster care endorsement from Catholic Social Services. According to faithwire.com. And I think it was uh, Lori, yeah, Lori Widman is a lawyer involved in this case. Not one family, no, literally no one was denied a child through Catholic social services. Because no one applied. And yet we have a case now at the Supreme Court. Because the city of Philadelphia says, you are not allowed to have a religious belief and impose that religious belief on your applicant's that would possibly prevent them from getting a child from foster care. Even though there are other foster agencies where an LGBT couple could pursue fostering anyway. So that is the next big bill related to religious freedom headed to the Supreme Court. While we're talking about LGBTQ, here's a, here's a good here's a piece of good news. I know sometimes we, we get so caught up in the negative that's happening in the world or, or what we can criticize companies and organizations for, and there is much to do. Here's some here's a here's a bit of good news for you. Disney Plus has said no thank you to a specific series that I'm not even going... Well, I, I will mention it. It's called Love, Victor. This show is not family-friendly. It's based on the movie Love, Simon, which came out in 2018, coming-of-age film about a teenage boy's journey to embracing homosexuality. So this series is based on that movie. It's about a, a boy who moves to a new city and is exploring life, if you will show also, also features alcohol use and other things that the source told Variety would not fit in with the family-friendly content on Disney+. Plus. So there you go. 
kudos to Disney for saying, you know what, no. And and I know, I know Disney's not perfect. Believe me, I know. I've talked about it on this podcast before. But I think we say, well done. We give praise, give credit where it's due. And I appreciate that Disney Plus said, no, this one, this is too far. We won't, we won't show that because we say that we're family friendly. And I think that is a very, very big win for those who are Disney fans who are also of the traditional values mindset or Christians. All right, let's transition. Let's talk about some politics. Let's talk about South Carolina now for the second half of the program. Senate Democrats this week have blocked the bill that would require medical care for babies who survive being aborted. This is not, this is unbelievable. The Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. So Republican Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska I love this guy, by the way. He is incredible. But he sponsored this bill. It needed the support of 60 senators in order to advance. Sass said, The piece of legislation we're voting on today, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, is not about abortion. The bill we're voting on does not change anyone's access to abortion. It doesn't have anything to do with Roe versus Wade. It is about babies that are already born. In fact, all that this bill would do was require abortion providers to work to preserve the health and life of a fetus that was born alive following an attempted abortion as they would do for any newborn baby. Sass sparse, no words, he said there is nothing in the bill, nothing about abortion. This is about infanticide. That's the actual legislation. In the end, the final vote count was 56 to 41. It needed six votes to go through. Every vote against the bill came from a Democrat. Only three senators crossed party lines to vote on the legislation. Senators Joe Manchin from West Virginia, Doug Jones from Alabama, and Bob Casey from Pennsylvania. Notable that each of these guys comes from a district or in a, a state where there are a lot of uh, Catholic Democrats. I'll put it that way. Bob Casey's father in Pennsylvania, major pro-life Democrat. Bob Casey Sr. was a, a beloved figure in Pennsylvania history because he was a Democrat who was pro-life. Bob Casey Jr. has not followed that uh, that line as closely as his father did, in fact, almost not at all, but it is one of the reasons that he was elected. So you have a lot of, of socially hmm, conservative, shall I say, Democrats in West Virginia, Alabama, and Pennsylvania, and it's interesting that the senators from those states, or Democratic senators from those states, crossed over on this bill, especially in an election year. But the bill didn't pass. And I, I know there's a lot of back and forth about, you know, you, you can't be a, a one-issue voter. And, you, you know, you, you have to care about the poor. And how can you be a Republican? You don't care about people. And how could you be a Democrat? Well, I, I understand not being a one-issue voter. But I think, I think if there is any issue that we should be able to agree on in this country. It's that if a baby is born alive, 
if a child survives an abortion. Again, this bill had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with limiting anyone's access to abortion. Nothing at all to do with the abortion itself. All this bill says is that if a baby survives the abortion process and is born alive, rather than being left to die, providers would have to give that child a chance at life like they would give any other newborn. Literally infanticide, just as Ben Sass said, and Senate Democrats, all but three of them, voted no on this bill. Including, by the way, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, candidates for President of the United States. If you are a person of convictions and values, if you are a person who claims the name of Christ, I do not believe that you could in good conscience, support a candidate at any level of office and in any political party that would vote no to giving care to an infant born alive rather than leave that infant to struggle for life without any care and die a slow, painful death. Literally infanticide. Again, I, I, I understand not wanting to be a one-issue voter. I do not understand being able to support someone who supports infanticide. Another thing I do not understand and cannot comprehend as an American is supporting someone who is a self-avowed socialist. Which is, you know, brother to communist. Much more similar than anyone would have us think. In fact, I did a podcast on the differences between socialism and communism, capitalism, a while back. You can go look that up on SoundCloud or iTunes if you are like, what's the difference? I don't have time today to explain it, but I'd encourage you, if you don't know, go listen to that podcast. But the thing now, this is the big thing is, well, we're, we're, it's a democratic socialism. No, there's, there's no such thing. Just because we put the word democratic in front of a word that isn't good does not make the thing that isn't good, good. That's not how it works. And with Bernie Sanders, he has been given multiple opportunities on national television. <laughs> like The media is basically bending over backwards to give him a chance to change his mind about his statements about Cuba, about the USSR, and he just doubles down on these things. He said that our criticism of Fidel Castro's communist Cuba has been unfair. He's not backtracking the comments at all when he's asked about these things. He simply doubles down on them. Fidel Castro jailed and tortured political prisoners at a higher rate than Stalin did during his reign of terror. He murdered more Cubans in his first three years in power than Hitler murdered Germans during his first six. 
Fidel Castro, mass executions, mass jailings, mass larceny, exile, nearly every family on the entire island of Cuba was affected by this guy. Through prison camps, forced labor, torture chambers. And you know those videos that ISIS used to put out that were horrifying? Well, Castro was doing that as early as January of 1959. Our generation doesn't really remember that. Our generation will remember the ISIS videos, but Castro had those horrific murder videos for shock value long before ISIS came along. He also, by the way, tried to start a worldwide nuclear war. And through it all, took one of the most highly civilized nations, an absolutely beautiful island paradise, with a higher standard of living than was found in much of the Western world, and turned it into a slum country, wrought with disease, garbage, sewage, and the highest suicide rate in the Western Hemisphere. Not to mention, over 20 times as many people have died trying to escape Castro's Cuba than has died trying to escape East Germany before the wall came down. That's Castro's Cuba. That is the Cuba that Bernie Sanders continues repeatedly to praise. If that is what Bernie Sanders' utopia socialist world looks like, call me crazy, but I don't think most Americans are up for that. Then we have Mayor Pete. I, I know I'm, I said I was going to try and get into specifics. I don't think we're going to get into specifics about the debate. It was much of the same as what we've seen, except that this latest round, this past week, they went after... Bernie Sanders, rather than going after Mike Bloomberg, which I think they had to and needed to do, because Bernie is the one that's winning. Like, <laughs> I get you're more concerned about Bloomberg's money, but right now it doesn't matter how much money Bloomberg has if Bernie Sanders is getting the votes. And the danger with Bernie is that he would bring socialism to America. The danger I see with Mayor Pete is that he would bring a false gospel to this country. You know, Mayor Pete a few weeks ago said that being a Christian, essentially what he said was being a Christian isn't compatible with supporting Donald Trump, that he didn't see how Donald Trump's behavior, action, life is any reflection of Scripture, and he didn't see how a Christian could, could support him. The problem is that Mayor Pete's Bible, whatever version he's reading, seems to be missing some chapters, or maybe even some entire books. This is the guy that says that life begins with breath. That sounds good, but it's a perversion of Scripture. Go and read Exodus uh, 21, I think it's Exodus 21, verses 22, 23. Do a word study on when God gives his law to his people. Do, don't, don't just take what the words say in English at face value, because actually this is a, this is a passage where I think the King James uh, translators could have done much better. Get a lexicon. You can even just Google lexicon. 
and do a word study on that passage, it is incredible to see. But when Mayor Pete says this sort of thing, I, I look at it and I say, okay, I, I get what you're saying, that maybe you don't see how this could be. But let's talk about how maybe it could be. Love for Israel. God promises to bless those who love and support Israel. That promise never changed. And no one president has done more for the people or nation of Israel than Donald Trump. Mayor Pete's not on Israel's side. Then we have long-standing Judeo-Christian values. Now everyone, everyone is a sinner. Even sinners that are saved by grace, still a sinner. But a value being traditional doesn't make it inherently wrong, and a value being progressive doesn't make it inherently right. So what is the standard? There must then be a standard. The standard has to be the Word of God. And when Mayor Pete says he doesn't see in his Bible that someone could be a Christian and support Trump, it's true. Those words aren't written in the Bible. You won't find them. But I don't see in my Bible how one could be a Christian and support abortion in every circumstance. Which Mayor Pete, by the way, does. I don't see in my Bible how relationship outside marriage between a man and a woman is a Christian value. Mayor Pete apparently does. Nor do I find, and, and catch this now, nor do I find a litmus test for whom I should vote for as president. We don't have one because governments, at the time the Bible was written, were not run this way. But what we do find repeatedly is calls to pray for our leaders. And all throughout scripture we see an example after example after example of God removing ungodly leader after ungodly leader after ungodly leader. Which begs the question, how then does a Christian determine who to vote for? This is how. It's pretty simple. Know what that person believes, or, or excuse me, know what you believe, why you believe it, and then apply that worldview to the candidates that are presented to you and determine which one will best represent what you believe. And if you are a Bible-believing Christian, then which one will best represent the values that the Bible gives us? Now, is President Trump a perfect representation of the things I as a Christian believe or a perfect representation of Christ? Certainly not. Neither is Mayor Pete then who do I believe, given the options, will best represent the things I value? Who will value life? Who will support Israel? Who will stand up for traditional values? Who will champion limited government? For me, the answer is clear. It's having someone near. That's another time, another place. And Mayor Pete is not a moderate. I, oh, I'm out of time, so I can't get into this. But I would encourage you, The Federalist has a couple of great articles. Federalist.com. Just Google Federalist Mayor Pete not a moderate. And there are several excellent articles that outline his governing policies and his statements and what he says. Everyone's pushing this. Well, he's the moderate guy on stage. He's anything but the moderate. And he's exceptionally dangerous. Because he quote-unquote quotes scripture or gives his quote-unquote Christian opinion on things, misapplying and twisting the word of God to make it fit his warped worldview, and he gets applauded for it every time. Everybody goes crazy. Oh, yes. Brilliant. Brilliant Christian. No, no. But that begs the question of why are so many people thinking that this is true? This guy knows enough Bible to try and shove it down our throats. But the context isn't there. 
And if we as Christians and our children do not understand and read and apply and have solid biblical grounding to know what the Bible actually says, then if it's not Mayor Pete, somebody in the future is going to come along like him who's going to know the Bible, twist it around, and present truth that is anything but truth. And it's interesting to me, <laughs> call him Preacher Pete. We have Preacher Pete versus Pastor Trump. Do you remember four years ago when it was all, well, we're not electing a pastor in regards to Trump's past? And regardless of whether you believe the man is saved or not, the fact of the, Bible, the, the matter is that President Trump <laughs> doesn't ever stand up and thump on the Bible. He rarely quotes the Bible. And quite frankly, I don't believe that he knows enough of the Bible to thump on it. And that is the danger of Mayor Pete. He knows just enough scripture to be able to try and twist it in and pervert truth. He knows just enough Bible to thump it in your face and act like what he's saying is truth. That's why I'm so concerned about this guy. He's not the socialist that Bernie Sanders is true, but neither is he a moderate. The danger of Mayor Pete is that he calls evil good and good evil and thumps his version of the Bible at us in the process. And I could go on about other candidates, but we don't have time today. Again, I, I don't, we don't endorse candidates on this program. We can't. What we do is try to help you understand the worldviews of the candidates that are presented to you so that you can make an informed decision as a Christian. Whether it be Republican, whether it be Democrat, whether it be Independent, whatever candidates, whatever party you're a part of, you need to understand that who you vote for matters. And who you vote for is going to be based on what you believe and why you believe it. And then you need to take those truths and apply them to who you are voting for and why you're voting for them. And that is all the time that I have left for today. Thanks so much for being with us. Next week, Super Tuesday's coming. There's going to be a lot to talk about. We may very well have the Democratic nominee in place by the time our next podcast rolls out next week. So hope you will join us for that. Again, if you want to learn more about the differences between communism, communism, socialism, capitalism, we have a, a past podcast about that. If you follow us or like us on SoundCloud or iTunes, you can go and find that podcast. I'd encourage you to listen to it, particularly as this election process continues and we have this ongoing debate about socialism, communism, and so forth with Bernie Sanders. Hope you and your family have a fantastic week, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time. Later, Gators!